We have been listening to the soundtrack of Hamilton in our house. And a theme throughout is the word shot. In the beginning, Hamilton declares with great ambition, I'm not throwing away my shot. Meaning his opportunity to lead and to give shape to the new republic. Now the word shot, of course, later on takes on a different meaning. I hope I didn't just spoil anything for you. Reconciliation is an always present and lifelong journey. But this is my one last shot in our year of reconciliation. The theme, it seems, has resonated with you personally and theologically. You have tolerated my infatuation, bordering perhaps on obsession with the Presbyterian Confession of 1967 very graciously, as we found ways that its now 50-year-old language rings true in 2017. We've watched movies together, we've gone to the Memorial Art Gallery together, we've been inspired by our youth and the Joseph story, We've read many books and articles. We have discovered how multifaceted reconciliation is, focusing particularly on the ongoing shame and scandal of racism. So one last shot to reinforce everything, to introduce new thinking, to, to try to somehow pull it all together, one last shot. Reconciliation as a personal invitation. How will we, you and me, live as reconciled and reconciling and reconciler? Reconciliation as cultural and political hunger. How will healing and restoration happen in our broken and fearful world? Reconciliation as a vision for the church, Third Presbyterian Church, our internal and external life, and the broader church facing a moment of extreme evolution. And reconciliation as theological mandate. Because remember, all this is launched from a biblical affirmation. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth about God's vision. In Christ, Paul wrote, God was in the world, reconciling the world to God. Richard Lisher calls this the thesis sentence of the New Testament. God's vision, God's project is reconciliation. Then Paul declares something extraordinary and preposterous and provocative, that we, we, have been entrusted with this message of reconciliation. God reconciles the world through us, us. Now the implications of this, both God's vision and God's use of us as agents of reconciliation are mighty indeed. And they are very clear. 
If God is about reconciliation, we must be about reconciliation. Work that can be gratifying, challenging, non-linear, risky, unpopular, but always, always, always worth it. Because it's always the gospel. Now, the great 20th century theologian Karl Barth wrote of three phases of reconciliation. One, the world, the cosmos, being reconciled to God. Two, persons being reconciled to persons and groups being reconciled to groups, a kind of a, a social dimension of reconciliation. And three, human beings being reconciled within themselves so that we embrace our own humanity. Bart asserted the unity of divine and human reconciliation, that all the phases are parts of a whole. As we accept reconciliation with God, we can embrace the fullness of our own humanity and the humanity of others. And that vision of reconciliation is at the core of Presbyterian and Reformed thinking. God is sovereign of the whole world, not just the churchy part of it. And a reconciliation church has very permeable walls and doors wide open to all the world. Perhaps you remember the adorable Love Is cartoons from the 1960s. Well, Here's another version, my version, imperfect and incomplete as it is, reconciliation is. Reconciliation is accepting ourselves. Only when we look in the mirror and in the words of Paul Tillich, accept that we are accepted, we'll be able to fully be the ministers of reconciliation that God calls us to be. Reconciliation is an important challenge in interpersonal relationships. It's easy to talk about reconciliation out there in the abstract. It gets real in families, in friendships, in marriages. In fact, I've had this conversation with some of you this past year. For example, how do we think about reconciliation when a marriage presents irreconcilable differences? I honestly don't know. Yet I do believe that even then, our approach to brokenness can have a reconciliating effect. Reconciliation is needed in the church. Matters of human sexuality are settled in the Presbyterian Church, ordination and marriage, and, and thank God for that. But that doesn't mean that all agree or the congregations are not continuing to consider leaving the denomination, what does reconciliation look like in the face still of disagreement? Reconciliation is baptism. And reconciliation is communion, which we will celebrate today. So as you're coming forward to receive the bread and the cup, think about this table as both platform and portal for reconciliation. Reconciliation is an ethical mandate, 
1967 and 2017 and 2167, the Confession of 1967 lifted up four crises, race, military and violence, poverty, and human sexuality. That list would not change one bit today, though I might add reconciliation and the environment as a fifth crisis. The bigger point is that the call to reconciliation has a moral and ethical mandate that we cannot ignore. And stated more positively, a moral and ethical mandate that is our gift to pursue. Reconciliation is truth. It is no accident that in South Africa and in Canada, Truth and Reconciliation Commissions were established in South Africa to address apartheid, a political system supported by the church, and in Canada to address Indian residential schools for indigenous students, again, a political system supported by the church. So reconciliation is truth. Truth can be difficult, but the truth will set us free. And we must establish truth before we move to reconciliation. Reconciliation is Portland. On May 26, as Times columnist Nicholas Kristof tells the story, a white man riding on a train began screaming anti-Muslim insults at a black 16-year-old girl and her 17-year-old Muslim friend wearing a hijab. Three brave passengers stepped forward to protect the girls. One was a 23-year-old recent Reed College graduate who had a mane of long hair and was working as a consultant. Another was a 53-year-old Army veteran with the trimmest of haircuts and a record of service in Iraq and Afghanistan. The third was a 21-year-old poet and Portland State University student on his way to a job at a pizzeria. When they intervened, the man harassing the girls pulled a knife and slashed the three men before fleeing. Rick Best, the veteran, died at the scene Taliesin Namki Meche, the recent Reed graduate, was conscious as he waited for an ambulance. A good Samaritan took off her shirt to cover him. She recounted that some of his last words were, I want everybody on the train to know I love them. And he died soon after arriving at the hospital. Another passerby staunched the bleeding of the student poet Micah Fletcher and called his mother to tell her to go to the hospital, but played down the injuries to avoid terrifying her. Micah underwent two hours of surgery to remove bone fragments from his throat and is recovering. After coming out of surgery, weak but indomitable, he wrote a poem that read in part, I am alive. I spat in the eye of hate and lived. This is what we must do for one another. We must 
live for one another. Reconciliation is Portland. Reconciliation is New Orleans. On May 19th, as the last of four Confederate monuments were taken down, New Orleans Mayor Mitch Landrieu gave a historic speech. You should read it all, look it up, the text, or more importantly, watch it on YouTube. It's a speech offered by a white man of privilege and power, a speech that has generated tremendous accolade and tremendous backlash. Here's just a little portion. This is, the mayor said, about showing the whole world that we as a city and as a people are able to acknowledge, understand, reconcile, and most importantly, choose a better future for ourselves, making straight what has been crooked and making right what was wrong. We have not erased history. We are becoming part of the city's history by writing the wrong image these monuments represent and crafting a better, more complete future for all our children and for future generations. And unlike when these Confederate monuments were first erected as symbols of white supremacy, we now have a chance to create not only new symbols, but to do it together as one people. Then Mayor Landrieu quoted what Nelson Mandela said after the fall of apartheid. If the pain has often been unbearable and the revelations shocking to all of us, it is because they indeed bring us the beginnings of a common understanding of what happened and a steady restoration of the nation's humanity. Reconciliation is Portland. Reconciliation is New Orleans. Is reconciliation Rochester? Can it be? Reconciliation is Pentecost. Pentecost, which we mark today, 50 days after Easter, a central moment in the Christian story. It is joyous and raucous. It's also baffling and, to me at least, a little bit scary. What do we do when the Holy Spirit comes and rocks the church and rocks our world? There are so many implications of Pentecost and reconciliation, but one clear one is that while the Holy Spirit calls us to unity, we're told that all could hear and understand these languages being spoken, the Holy Spirit does not call us to uniformity. Reconciliation does not smooth over differences or languages or cultures or experiences. It picks them up and puts them down in a different context in order that we might move toward a greater and a deeper unity. Shane Claiborne writes, one of the things that happened at Pentecost was a really diverse group of people understood each other as the Spirit of God fell upon them. It was a divine moment of reconciliation among people from many different tribes and nations and languages. A reconciliation moment I would say the world is desperately in need of today. 
I don't know about you, but I can't stay up and watch late night television the way I used to. The good news is most of the good stuff ends up on the internet the next day. So it was with an appearance by the band U2 on the Jimmy Kimmel show a couple of weeks ago. U2 sang one of my favorite songs. It's called I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. And you'll have to look it up because this version includes a really nice moment when a part of the audience revealed themselves to be a gospel choir who then sang background for the rest of the song. I think I've watched the clip about a thousand times and every time it gets me, including these words. I believe in the kingdom come, then all the colors will bleed into one, bleed into one, but yes, I'm still running. Perhaps reconciliation is that. God's vision, all the colors, all the colors one, and our journey toward which we keep running, giving it our best shot, our very best shot. And when we can't, to trust others, to give it theirs. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to God, entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts, kindle in them the fire of your love, send forth your spirit, and renew the face of the earth. Amen.